0: That was wonderful. Thank you, everybody, for that. It's encouraging. It's encouraging to know that we can gather together and we can show our love for our Savior. Well, if we'd like to take a moment and greet one another. Well, I wonder if we could begin to get back to our seats. No. It's okay. Well, this this is going to be something new for me because um the, the, the times that I've gotten to speak before, I'd forgotten to let people know that they could be seated, and pastor had to wave everybody down. So now I have that all set up because I wrote it on my sheets. But, but now they threw another curveball at me because now we have worksheets and I have to remember to tell you that you got to fill in the blanks, so I'll do my best, I'll do my best. So if we could please stand for the reading of the word, I would appreciate that, please. And we're going, to, we're going to begin in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 through 20. In Ephesians chapter 6, right after Paul spoke about putting on the whole armor of God, he prayed for boldness to talk about the gospel and desired to boldly speak it You may be seated. (laughs) Even while Paul was in prison and in chains, he still had a desire and a passion to get a word from the Lord to share with others. He strove to be ready in and out of season, to not miss a moment to see God work through him. Paul held a a focused level of devotion to his calling as an ambassador of Christ. The title of this message tonight is to be an ambassador. Now this is not an exhaustive lesson on being an ambassador. This subject could take multiple weeks to go through because there's so much. What I'm going to share tonight are the things that the Lord had laid on my heart. So... In a U.S. news article about being an ambassador, it stated, an ambassador is the U.S. president's personal representative, which is your first blank, to a foreign government. A foreign U.S. diplomat who worked at U.S. embassies in Iraq and in Pakistan explained in an email, ambassadors are technically appointed by the president for the United States. For example, The U.S. ambassador to Italy is the personal representative of the sitting U.S. president to the government in Rome. This makes me ask, are we ambassadors for Christ? In 2 Corinthians 5 and 20, your second blank, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead be reconciled to God. In the complete Jewish Bible, it states it this way Therefore, we are ambassadors of the Messiah. In effect, God is making his appeal through us. What we do is appeal on behalf of the Messiah and be reconciled to God. This is the way God appoints us as ambassadors when we repent of our sins and we go under the waters of baptism and we are filled with the Holy Ghost. One of the core goals of a US diplomat is to establish as productive a relationship as possible between the US and another nation, whether the country is friendly or hostile. The most important role diplomats play and their number one official responsibility However, as looking after American citizens abroad, the diplomat stated. You're going to have four blanks in this. This is the same as believers are commissioned to do. We are to establish relationships with the lost. We are to be patient in our witness to them and build a rapport of the goodness of God and how wonderful life is serving him with our whole hearts. Also, we should nurture and cultivate our relationships with our brothers and sisters, not having schisms between us. Paul states it in Corinthians chapter 11, 24 through 28. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, thrice suffered shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watching often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the cares of the church. I believe in this, Paul was saying, that no matter where I am or the circumstances I'm in, the remembrance of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection is what keeps me going. So do to me what you will. So then, what are some of the attributes that make a complete ambassador? The first one is humility. There's two blanks in this. Without humility, a relationship with Jesus is impossible. It is a foundational part of establishing a relationship with him. A f- humility is the attribute that makes us malleable to rebuild into an ambassador of a king. 1 Peter 5, 5-6 through six says, Likewise ye younger, submit yourselves unto elders. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. The complete Jewish Bible says, Likewise, you who are less experienced, Submit to leaders. Further, all of you should clothe yourselves in humility towards one another, because God opposes the arrogant, but to the humble he gives grace. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, so that in the right time he may lift you up. Well, God's words confirms himself by two or by three. So here's three more verses that edify one another. Psalms 34 and 18 says, "The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and save as such as be of a contrite spirit." Psalms 51:17 says, "The sacrifices of God are a, bro- are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise." But I believe Isaiah states it even more emphatically. When I read this, read this, it took my breath away because of how he expounded on the elements of the, that the first two verses that I just read have. Isaiah 57 and 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is Holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite one. There is a new life breathed into a weary body where where hope can begin to grow. Jesus is with us no matter where we are, and he's there to build us up in the appropriate and the right time. In Deuteronomy 8 and 2 it says, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness, to humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep my commandments or no. It's just like when you know God truly called out to you, and you knew you needed to make a choice to serve him or to not serve him. The Lord did this with me, just like He did with Paul in Acts chapter 9. He asked me if I was going to serve Him him now. Even after choosing to serve Him, we will then go through certain trials to break us down, to humble us, to test us, that God may know our hearts and know whether we will live for Him or we won't. The next element is repentance. Two more blanks. Daily repentance is necessary to keep humility in our forefront. Without daily repentance, sin can get smoothed over, and this can be those little foxes that spoil the vine. It works the same way in relationships with another person. We could have a disagreement with them and be hurt by them. If we do not deal with it, directly right away while the pain is still sharp. In Ephesians 4 and 26, it says, Be angry and sin not, and let, the sun, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. The pain may dull and become a brick and a wall between the two of you. We all know individuals in our life who are down or mope all the time or constantly are talking negatively. A lot of times this is present because of past failures, unresolved conflicts, continued disagreements with a spouse, with a child, maybe with a family member. It's the same in our relationship with God. Without daily repentance, that same wall can be be built between you and God. However, if we are in a place of continued repentance with God, it will give us freedom, joy unspeakable, peace and contentment just like his word promises he'll do to us nobody knows this portion of it better than i do because that's what happened with my former wife we would have arguments and things of that nature we'd we'd walk away from one another go to our perspective corners and we'd go to sleep and we'd wake up in the morning and every day's a new day right so every morning We'd push it aside. We'd push it aside. And over time, you would get in a little bit of an argument, and for some reason, all this stuff would come back. And I'm like, where's that coming from? That isn't what we're dealing with. But that's the very thing that this is talking about. It got to a point after a 13-year relationship and a 10-year marriage, there was a wall where I couldn't even see my wife. I loved her. I married her. I stood before God and man, and and made a commitment that I'd be with her till death do us part. But that relationship, the the just the basic things, talking in life, was pushed away. So it's very important that we take that time, and and to take it daily, to make sure that. We've got things in the right place. Galatians 5 and 22 says, "But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness and faith." And that ties into what I just spoke. Matthew chapter 5:23 through 24 says, "Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother has an ought against thee." Leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. What this is saying is is when you come to the altar to give a gift to the Lord and you have unresolved situations it tarnishes your gift. After you reconcile and you clean your heart your gift is like a like fresh sheets off the clothesline. Did you all picture that? When I shared that with Pedro, she pictured the snapping of the towel with the sunshine behind it. It's a commercial. <laughs> she said I needed to add that. <laughs> In Daniel 4 and 27, Wherefore, King, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, and pray, break off thy sins by righteousness, and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. In Daniel chapter 4, King Nebuchadnezzar was warned through a dream that was interpreted by Daniel, that if he would not repent, turn from his sin, and show mercy to the poor, then he would con- If he did do that, then he would continue to enjoy tranquility. God gave him 12 months to make that change. During that 12 months, Nebuchadnezzar enjoyed prosperity. And he had even made this statement in Daniel 4 and 30. Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? It seems he forgot what God said. Remember, when we dabble in sin, we do not know how long God will tolerate it before he steps in and changes things or turns us over to our reprobate minds. Because of Nebuchadnezzar's disregard for God's command, he spent the next seven years eating grass with the beasts of the field. 2 Corinthians 7 and 10 says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. In another, another rendition, it says, Pain handled in God's way produces a turning from sin to God, which leads to salvation. And there is nothing to regret in that. But pain handled in the world's way produces only death. When we handle things God's way, there's a continuity to it and, and, and we grow through it. When we handle things our way, a lot of times we run into frustration, anger. A lot of things take place. And when we're dealing with another individual, just about what I had talking about previously, sometimes it's good to take a little bit of time to pray on it, a little bit of time to pause so that you can, so that you can look at how you're gonna represent yourself. Because sometimes if we do it right away, the, you, don't, you don't say it correctly and your response that you get back isn't gonna be beneficial to anybody. Another attribute of an ambassador is having a fear of God. Second Corinthians 7 and 1 says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Prior to this v- verse, Paul was instructing the Corinthian church to come out of the world and be separated unto God. That was a blank. (laughs) Separated from traditions and things that will only bring pleasure for a moment and not life eternal. What are we fearing? We are fearing eternal punishment that awaits us if we stay in sin. In the account shown in Luke chapter 16, we have Lazarus and the rich man. The rich man was in hell, and asked for a drop of water to be placed on his tongue to cool, cool it from the torment of the flame. Also beside that, there was a great span between them that could not be crossed. If this account is anything like how it will, will be, I believe part of the torment that's going to be there is that those that are in the lake of fire will be watching the love that they truly desire be given on to those that have stayed the commandments and stayed focused on God. In Ephesians 5 and 21, it says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Here Paul is speaking about the duties of a Christian life, the life of a true ambassador of Christ. Creating these relationships among the church body is so important. Not a single one of us in this building is here by chance. Our being here is ordained by God. You didn't just happen to hear the gospel. You didn't accidentally repent of your sins. God sought you and you said yes. And with the diverse congregation we're a part of, with the strengths that each person that's sitting here tonight carries, there's no matter in life that can't be worked out through a brother or a sister that's sitting to your left and to your right. So let's go back to Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel chapter 5, 18 through 21. O thou king, the most high God, gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor. And for the majesty that he gave him, all people, nations, language, languages trembled and feared before him. Whom he would, he slew. In whom he would, he kept alive. In whom he would, he set up. In whom he would, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his mind hardened pride, he was disposed from his kingly throne. And they took his glory from him. And he was driven from the sons of men. And his heart. Was made like, like the beasts, and his dwelling was with the wild asses. They fed him with grass like oxen, and his body was wet with dew from heaven, till he knew that the Most High God ruled in the kingdom of men, and that he ap- appointeth over it whomsoever he will. Nebuchadnezzar allowed prosperity and blessings of this world to raise him above God. This is what happens when we let go of humility, a blank, and allow prosperity and b- blessings to inflate us. This is what happens when we lose the fear of God and forget who gives us the very breath in our bodies. While, while I'm speaking of this, the, the, the fear of the wrath of God is, is a large part of it, but there's also another element of that And that's to revere Him. I didn't want this just to be super, you know, downer. Uh, There's also that fear of God that we know what He did for us each and and every day, the things that He guards us from that we don't even know about. So I want to praise Him, I want to worship Him, and I want to thank Him for that protection every single day. The next attribute, attributes, plural, I'd like to speak about are boldness and confidence because the two of these, as I was studying this, they, they, they work together. In Acts 4 and 13 it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. In Acts chapter 4, Peter, inspired by the Holy Ghost, answered the rulers and the elders over Israel over the healing of the disabled man. He informed them that this act was done in the name of the one whom they crucified and was raised from the dead, and that there is salvation in no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. Peter was confident in what he had shared was because he had had a personal experience with Jesus that was undeniable. There was nobody that could turn his head now in fear by telling him, hey, are you not one of those guys that was with Jesus? In Acts chapter 17, while Paul was in Athens awaiting for Silas and Timotheus, he saw that Athens was given wholly to idolatry. Here's a blank. He went boldly into their synagogues and marketplaces and dealt with their vain philosophies. They then took Paul to the highest court in Athens. His speaking of Jesus was strange to them because they had never heard it. Acts 17, 21 through 23. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear something new. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, "Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worshipped him, him I declare unto you. Then Paul proceeds to preach and tear apart their false doctrines and false gods as he proclaims the true and living God. And at the end of this, as Paul was leaving, there were those who kept company with him and desired to know more. You know, we never know in any moment that we talk about the Lord, who we're going to affect you know, you look in Athens; they were all philosophers, and on Mars Hill, that was all your dignitaries and things of that nature. But when Paul spoke about Jesus, about his Savior, they wanted to know more about what he, what he was talking about. I had I had I had a moment of that of, of that here today. I have a a, a a friend that I that I've known since I was nineteen. I've been deer hunting with him all these years. I'm not going to tell you how long it was. But he happened to have stopped by the job site I was on today. And he had his, his co-worker with him. And as we were talking, my friend Gary, he hadn't seen my trailer, my work trailer, so he stepped in and he looked it all over. And I felt a moment right there to invoke my Savior. You know, I said... Everything that took place with this accident, you see a truck, you see a trailer, and all the tools. I wasn't worried about dealing with the insurance at that point because God put me back in that truck, trailer, and all my tools with zero debt. With zero debt, He reestablished me. So anything that comes after that is a blessing how can I not proclaim that? Amen. How can I not let people know that they too can experience this of God? And, and it, may not, it may not be that way. It may be in, in, in simplistic ways. And everybody that's here can talk about simplistic ways that God has, has led you over time. And in that, I found out through his speech that his coworker was a Christian. It was, it, it, it was really incredible. But, and then that was just like sticking a quarter in me. So <laughs> <laughs> Then I pounded on my friend for 17 years, me trying to get him in a Bible study, and he hasn't accepted it yet. And then he said, well, maybe when I retire, I said, how do you know you're going to make it to retirement? This is something that you may need to know prior to that. Right, Jim? (laughs) Oh, man. The attributes of boldness gives the ambassador a lack of fear. It allows him to speak with confidence. These two accounts show how both Peter and Paul stood in the midst of learned men and broadly proclaimed Jesus. Not worrying about, blank, blank, repercussions or retaliation, As ambassadors, we have to do the same. This requires us to have knowledge of what we are representing, and knowledge is the last attribute I'd like to speak about. Just as a U.S. ambassador needs to know the president's will, desires, and intent for the direction the U.S. government would prefer to take in a given situation or a global issue, Christ's ambassadors need to know the heartbeat and commandments of our Lord for the purpose of furthering the kingdom. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightfully dividing the word of truth. 2 Timothy 3, 16-17 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The book of Proverbs is abundant with 41 verses pertaining to the importance of knowledge. What builds Knowledge. Number one, reading your word every day. Number two, praying. Number three, fasting. Number four, fellowship with believers and talking about the word with one another. Number five, living a culture of a Christian family and a Christian community. I can't I can't Impress enough upon those last two, the old saying is, "You are what you eat, and for us to make time for one another, for us to come together and just talk about our daily lives because we know we know who we serve, you know how many times do we hold the conversation? And we'll have non-believers around us, but we'll 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 say something that's scriptural and we'll stand there and laugh. And the other individuals are going, What's he talking about? It's it's so it's so important. I need I need each and every person in this room. I truly do. I need the young people. Because there's you know, there's sometimes we're busy in our lives and in that that Young people, it's amazing what they see. You know, uh, my, my, my greatest critics were Tiffany and Colin, you know, because, you know, I, I'd say this, 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 and this, and, and they'd be the first ones to go, but Dad, you know, you keep telling us this. And it's like, oh, man. They were my best critics. So I'm going to be bringing this plane in for a landing this will be our final reading and this is from the the letter that paul had written to timothy this this set of scriptures for this for, for this lesson is taking on a different a different direction than a few few years back when god gave me this it's amazing how god's word it's never old and familiar It's always new, it's always living, it always has its work. So 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14 through 18. This is Paul speaking. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Look at the humility in that verse right there. Paul is saying, This guy's been giving us a lot of trouble, but I'm not going to raise my hand against him. I'm going to let God do his work in him. Verse 15 Of whom be thou aware also, for he has greatly withstood our words. Verse 16. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not that it may not be laid to their charge. Second time of humility. Could you imagine i can 't even imagine what Alexander the Coppersmith, the power that he had in that community that he did that kind of damage? To, to, to the apostles that everybody ran away from Paul out of fear and left him there alone. So here's Paul going to stand in front of this hostile group of people. What does he say? I'm all alone, but God, don't hold it to their charge that they all left me. Notwithstanding, verse 17, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto His heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Paul stood in the midst of adversity. He stood in a place where, you know, he could have been stoned. He, he could have been... Many different things could have taken place, but he said, God strengthened me. And by the preaching of the Word, God delivered me out of the mouth of the lion. He stood. Wow. And the Lord deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto the heavenly kingdom. He never lost sight of the end goal of living a life Dedicated to God. This day and age that we live in, it's so easy to get discouraged, and it's so easy to 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 get frustrated at the things that are taking place because they defy all common sense. And and and. the biggest thing that I can do is, re, is, re, is remember what God's Word says. Not that I'm sticking my head in the sand and turning away from it, but God's Word said this is going to happen. So if I get angry, if I get grungy, if I listen to all this and let all this media and these things get in my head, it's going to pull me off my game. It's going to take me away from having that true, that joy, that long-suffering for people because even amongst those people that are making these laws and doing these things God knew them before they were in the womb any one of them any any one of them can be turned around by us proclaiming the word of God how would I have known that man today was a Christian had I not invoked it had I not done something to make him feel comfortable to mention that he loved God too we can't fear it. We've got to go all bold. I hope that, I hope that what I shared tonight wasn't super heavy. I, I, I told Pedro, I'm, I'm not sure if this is super heavy or not, because I didn't want it to be. But I guess sometimes we, we need to look at some of those tougher things because because we can't let little foxes in. Well, I want to thank you for this opportunity, and I thank you, everybody. And I hope that everybody has a wonderful and safe evening home. So I'd like to close this in prayer. Lord, I want to thank you for each and every individual that's here in this room, in the foyer, and out watching this over Facebook. Lord, I pray that your word, your word that was shared tonight would go out and it would help as you know that it needs to help in whatever way, Lord, that you deem it. I want to thank you for this precious word. I want to thank you that you have given this to us to share with the world and, 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 and speak to people that they may come out from the places that they're in. And Lord, I ask that you would get each person that's in this building tonight home safely to their families and that they may get a good night's rest and get up and be chipper and say that this is a day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice, and I will be glad in it. And I pray all this in the name of Jesus. Thank you.